I can remember when I was graduating from high school, working through the summer, getting ready to leave home and go to college. I packed up my little beat-up Datsun blue pickup. And uh, I'd even built this cover to go on the back in case it rained because I put all my belongings there in the back of that truck. And I, I can remember getting in my truck. My dad had followed me to a gas station and he filled up my gas tank as one last statement. This is where it all ends. You're on your own. <laughs> and uh, I drove out of town that 10-hour drive from Amarillo and it was like I was passing through a window that would forever change my life. It's amazing how significant four months of a different kind of freedom could change a life. I had freedom and responsibility I had never experienced like this before. It was like I had moved into being a grown-up. I could now order my day in any way I wanted and no one could say anything about it. I, I was grown up. I had my own bills to pay, right? My life changed dramatically. That four months went by so quickly and all of a sudden it was time for me to make the 10-hour drive back home. Driving back home, it was, it was interesting to think about what is it going to be like to step back into the world I left. Because I, I felt like, in large part, my hometown and my home life had remained pretty much the same as when I left. But I was not the same when I came back. So how, how would I have conversations to express how I felt now having been so significantly changed? How would I just step back into the normal routine and, and act and demonstrate the change? I mean, I had lots of questions about what that would be like. And stepping back into life, the world that I left now being so significantly changed seemed very difficult, challenging to me. I tell you that story because all of us have walked through moments of life where we have been dramatically and significantly changed. Every one of us will go through a time in life up ahead that will significantly change us. And sometimes when you go through something that changes you in a significant way, it can feel really hard to step back into life, to talk about how you feel, about what's happened. To demonstrate that change. To step back into the routines of work, the routines of neighborhood living. How do you step back into those things when you've been so changed? What do you say? How do you talk about it? I am really grateful that the Bible has a story about Jesus. 
that can really help us. The story comes out of Mark's account of Jesus' life and ministry. The first half of the book of Mark is one story after another answering the question, who is Jesus? You have one account after another just giving us an answer to that question. We see John the Baptist come on the scene in the book of Mark and he's the forerunner, the one who's declaring the way that the Messiah is coming. From the very beginning of Mark, the first scene in Mark, we see something about Jesus answering the question, who is this Jesus? Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist and the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus and a voice booms out, this is my beloved Son. Jesus teaches with an authority that no one has ever seen before. He performs miracles that no eye has beheld. One time Jesus is casting out a demon out of an individual and and that demon knows exactly who Jesus is and that demon says, you are the Holy One of God. Story after story answering the question, who is Jesus, culminates in this climactic moment for the disciples. In Mark chapter 8 where Peter represents what the disciples have seen. When he says to Jesus, you are the Christ. Now right in the middle of all of these stories unfolding, there's a story in Mark chapter 4. Where Jesus has just spent the day teaching large crowds, giving his life to the ministry of the gospel and helping people see the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God has come. And he's, he spent the whole day just pouring his life out in teaching, battling spiritually for the sake of the kingdom of God. And at the end of that day, this story unfolds. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So just imagine this scene. The disciples and Jesus are in a relatively small boat headed across the sea after this day of laboring for the kingdom of God. And Jesus is apparently exhausted. And he makes his way to the back of the boat where there is this cushion or a seat, somewhere that someone can sit down or lie down to rest. And Jesus lays down there and falls fast asleep, exhausted from his labor. So they're making their way across the sea. Jesus is in a deep 
sound sleep. And all of a sudden, this enormous gale-forced wind, this storm comes up on the disciples and begins to absolutely overwhelm them with waves crashing in the boat, so much so that they are now terrified for their very lives. They're bailing water. The water's coming in, filling the boat up, and they're afraid they're going to die. Think about this scene. Picture this in your mind's eye. The disciples are terrified. They're fighting for their very lives. Jesus is in the back of the boat Sleeping like nothing is wrong at all. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like that death is beating down the door of your life? Terrifying. That's how the disciples felt. Not Jesus. He just sleeping away. Look at verse 38, the middle of that verse. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I don't know if the disciples like picked out a, a line on the inside of the boat, maybe the third board from the bottom of the boat, and they said, When it gets to the third board, we're waking him up. You know, I, I don't know what, what they were doing to, to kind of define the threshold, the tipping point, but certainly there had to be conversations in the boat about Jesus sleeping. I mean, think about how you are when you're around somebody and you're trying to do a project, a work project, you're working outside in the yard, maybe you've been doing some little manual labor and somebody's with you and you think, man, they're not, they're not really pulling their weight here. At some point, you reach a threshold, a tipping point. And you reach that tipping point, whatever it was, you kind of just blurt out, what's your problem? Why aren't, you, why aren't you contributing here? Well, at some point, the disciples reach the threshold and they realize we cannot wait another second before we wake Jesus up. And they say, why don't you care that we're dying? Now, think about what that would be like, all right? How those words might come out of whoever it was. We're, we're not told who it is, I guess, to save face for whoever it was. But imagine what that could have sounded like in this moment of rising tension, the fear of losing your very life, thinking that there's no way we're going to make it out of this alive. Have you ever been in the middle of a sea of water? in a small vessel with a storm that's filling your boat? I, I have not, and I don't ever want to be. It sounds awful. 
And here they are facing this, and at some point they reach the threshold, and somebody blurts out to Jesus while he's asleep, do you not even care that we're dying here? I suspect that that statement probably sounded loud, maybe even a little passive-aggressive. Maybe it sounded like an accusation. Maybe it sounded angry. Most likely it sounded really scared. A sense of desperation, helplessness. And they yell at Jesus, do you not even care? The disciples say, Jesus, you don't care for us. How could he? He's asleep. We're fighting for our lives. You, Jesus, where's your concern for us? It's like you're not even aware of what's happening. But perception is not always reality. Jesus wakes up and it's interesting to me that he gives no indication of being in a fog. You know how you sometimes will wake up from deep sleep and it's like, where am I? I do that. Not so with Jesus. It's as if he wakes up and he knows exactly what's happening and exactly what needs to be done. And right there in the midst of the storm, Jesus simply rebukes the wind and commands the sea, hush. Be still. And a perfect calm comes over the sea. Have you ever been out on the water in a perfect calm? The water smooth as glass. Not a sound. Peaceful. Quiet. It's a peaceful tranquility that invades the heart and the mind. Now imagine that peaceful tranquility invading your heart because Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and they obeyed him. That is a staggering serenity. And then Jesus asked him, why are you afraid? Why do you have no faith? And then they were afraid in the best possible way of who they really needed to fear. It was a position of worship, a position of reverence, a position of awe. To now stand before Jesus and simply say, Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obeys. You see, the disciples, they were seeing chaos. They were terrified. 
seeing their lives stripped from them in the midst of this life-changing storm. But Jesus spoke. And the moment he spoke, everything the disciples saw changed. And Jesus wanted to make sure that they saw exactly what they needed to see in the storm. When I was growing up as a little kid, my dad had a cousin and uh, her husband who lived outside of town. They lived on a farm. His name is Robert and her name is Lana. They were more like an aunt and uncle to me growing up. And I remember the first time my dad took me out to their farm to visit them. The reason I remember it so clearly is because Robert took me in a room and said, hey, would you like to see a collection of arrowheads and other stuff from Native Americans? I was like, yeah, I'm fascinated with Native American stories, you know, cowboys and Indians. I want to see that stuff. And so he brings out this, this kind of display box of all these arrowheads and artifacts. It was amazing for this little kid who was mesmerized with those kinds of things. And, and so I asked him, I said, where did you get all these? How did you find these? And what really was amazing to me is that every single one of those came from his farm. So naturally, I ask him, well, how did you find them? Can we go out and look right now? I want to go find an arrowhead. I'd never found an arrowhead. was fascinated by this. And he said, well, actually, no, now is not a good time to go. You see, the best time to go look for arrowheads is right after a storm. So why don't you come back after a storm, and you and I will go out, and we'll look for arrowheads. Well, that's what we did. I, after a storm came, I made my way back out there, and he, went at, he and I went out, and sure enough, after the storm, I found my very first arrowhead. You know, sometimes a storm is what it takes to uncover something that before you just couldn't see. I don't know anybody who really likes being caught out in the middle of a storm, being the raging effects of a storm. But it's so good to remember that storms often uncover things that we def desperately need to see. In the storm of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is uncovered before the disciples. They got to see Jesus in a way that they could not have seen him except through a storm. It was in the storm that Jesus commanded the waves and the winds and they ceased and the disciples got to see something about Jesus that they could have never seen had they not gone through the storm with Jesus. Now they knew that Jesus Christ was the one who controlled everything. That every storm and every element had to submit to him. They knew he was something different. Think about the disciples who had grown in uh, their occupation of fishing. How many days they'd spent on the sea. How much bad weather they'd encountered. I am sure that there are many times the disciples who had made their living on the sea in a boat fishing encountered waves and winds that they had spoken to. 
I wish these waves would get beaten against us. I wish it was a calm day. This wind needs to stop. Stop blowing wind. You could hear them in those moments speaking to the elements. But you know what? The wind and the waves never paid attention to the disciples. But the disciples saw something they'd never seen before. The wind and the waves had to pay attention to the Creator and sustainer of all things. They saw Jesus. See, Jesus was uncovered through the storm so that they saw him and they knew there was no storm. There was nothing in the universe that was not under the power and authority of Jesus Christ. They saw what they needed to see about Jesus through the storm. But that wasn't what that wasn't the only thing that was uncovered in the storm. The storm happens and what do the disciples do? Jesus, why don't you care about us? They shake their fist at Jesus in the storm and they say, how in the world could you be asleep when we are suffering in this way? Something is uncovered about the disciples through the storm. Jesus describes it as, why are you afraid? And why don't you trust me? Even in the midst of of the storm. The disciples' hearts are uncovered by the storm. You know what's uncovered about the disciples' hearts? They desperately need Jesus. And this storm revealed just how much they needed him. You know, when you go through a storm and that storm uncovers something about who you are. If you don't see who Jesus is, when you see how much you need him, you're not going to have hope. But if in the storm of life, your need for him is uncovered, and at the same time, he uncovers who he is in all his sufficiency. All of a sudden, your great need finds its answer in his great sufficiency. And many times, it's only in the storms of life where we see our need and we see his Sufficiency. Jesus wants to change us. You think about the disciples. They're God's choice for taking the message of the gospel to the world. They can't handle a storm on the sea with Jesus there. They freak out. 
You think they're ready to go take the gospel to the world? No. They're not ready for the next step. But Jesus takes them through a storm to reveal himself to them, to uncover how much they need him, so that in the change that occurs in them, they are ready to take the next step. You know, storms have a beginning and an ending. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the storm, you can think that's all there is to life. And you wish life wasn't that way. But storms have a beginning and storms always have an ending. Clear skies come. It's important to recognize that what God is bringing us all through is a journey. A journey where there are times of clear skies, there are times of brewing storms, and there are times of walking right through the middle of the worst storm you could ever imagine. But there's an end to that storm, and there's a day where skies will become clear again. And what God is doing is taking each of us through a journey where he might unveil or uncover who he is and we might see how desperately we need him and that we might be changed into the people he wants us to be. He wants to change us. Because just like the disciples, the boat of our life-changing storm is going to come up to a shore and clear skies will be ahead and we're going to have to take that step out of our change back into life. And he wants us to take that step with the utmost confidence in who he is and how greatly we need him and just how sufficient he is. When the disciples' boat just eased up to that shore and they began to step out of that boat, every one of them was a little bit different. And they were fixing to walk into another circumstance that was unlike anything they'd ever seen. And Jesus wanted them to know what they needed to know about him so they could step into the next season of their life in full confidence that he is able. Are you, are you in a storm today? Some of you may not know all that I've been going through in what was supposed to be a study leave. <laughs> study leave became storm leave. And for the last five weeks, I've been in a storm with my responsibilities uh, in our convention. And uh, I'm ready for clear skies. Like I, like I want to step out of the boat of change and step back into my life. And the Lord's just helping me to know how to do that. To talk about how I feel. To talk about what's happened to me. So you can see just a little glimpse into the fact that in my storm, I saw Jesus. And I also saw me, like I saw my heart uncovered 
And what I saw was I need him more than I could ever imagine. And I have found him to be who I need. And I'm just trusting that what he's done in my life has prepared me to confidently step into the next season with you into all that he has for us, for his glory. But I'm not the only one that's been in a storm. Some of you have been in a storm. Some of you are in a storm right now. And I just want to remind you that Jesus is with you. He's in that boat with you. And he cares. And he knows what you're facing and going through. He is with you. And he is revealing himself to you in the storm. And I just want to challenge you, encourage you, exhort you to keep your eyes open for the uncovering of Jesus. To be willing to have him uncover your heart in all the ways that you need him and to see his sufficiency right in the storm. If you're having trouble seeing him in the storm because of the wind and the waves of your life, I just encourage you to grab some people who love Christ and say, I need you to come in and help me bail some water here. i got to stay afloat long enough to see Christ. So he come alongside me and just bail some water through prayer. For me, will you come alongside me and just hear my heart and be an encouragement to you? Just bail some water with me. And maybe along the way, would you speak into my life as to how you're seeing Christ so that my eyes could see him a little better? Because I know that he is with me in the storm and he wants me to see him in a way that perhaps I could only see him in the storm. Maybe you're coming out of a storm and you're thinking about how do I take the step out of the boat of change back into my marriage relationship, back into my work relationship. And I just want to tell you, you may not know the next season and what that holds for you. But if you're coming out of the storm, walk confidently in faith. And help others see what you have seen about Christ in the midst of the storm. You realize that what this journey is all about is a people to whom Christ has been uncovered. Now have the opportunity in finding the sufficiency of Christ to step into every season of life and demonstrate the uncovered Jesus Christ for a world who would otherwise not see him. If, if you're headed, like here are your options. You're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. That, that's your options. The going into the storm we often see as a calm. The, the first four months of the year was like my calm. And I actually thought I was going to take a, a, a leave away from the calm and have more calm. 
Like Jesus going to the other side with his disciples. Let's get away. The disciples are thinking, hey, this is going to be a great time of rest. Boom, storm hits. You know, the, the calm is a time when we must seek to know Christ. It's not a time to relax, not a time to rest. It's not a time to enjoy the calm. It's a time to be rigorous about seeking Christ, knowing that even outside the storm, he's uncovering who he is so you can see him. He's uncovering who you are so that you can see your need for him. So that you'll have all these changes happening in you. So that when you get in the storm, you'll be able to see him really clearly. Just, just think about what happens in your routines. You ever been driving down I-35 and think to yourself, these drivers need to go back to driver's education. <laughs> you ever have that happen to you? You ever get in a situation where you find things coming out, being uncovered about your heart? It's like, whoa, that attitude wasn't so good. You, you know, think back to the days, or maybe you have kids or grandkids that are in um, Little League or, or basketball, and you have to deal with referees and umpires. I mean, there's a lot of uncovering that happens in that moment, Right? So there's stuff in our routine life every single day where God's gracious work in our life is uncovering our great need for him. And if we'll just take the time to read our Bibles, to kneel before the Lord in prayer regularly, you know what he's going to do? He's going to uncover just little bits and glimpses of who he is so that in the moments our hearts are uncovered in the routines of life, we see Christ and we're changed. He wants to change us. So that we're a people who have seen Christ and uncover him for the world. In my backyard, I've got this little drainage area. It's like a, I call it a dry creek. It's really a drainage area. I call it a dry creek because when it rains really hard, it just, it just blows through there like a, like a creek. And I sit there and I watch it when it's raining and it's this running creek in my backyard. And I imagine to myself, this is a creek full of trout <laughs> and I just pretend that when it stops raining it's still going to be there and I can fish in my backyard to my heart's delight in the dry months of the year that little dry creek drainage area gets filled with leaves and yard junk limbs when the big rain comes and it washes through that dry creek area, it just cleans it out. It's never looked better than the moment after that big storm comes and just wipes it out. Now, I'm not sure where all my yard junk goes. I suspect it goes to my neighbor's house down the street ends up in his backyard. But it's not in my backyard. And it looks so good. If you want to journey through a life that is likely to be filled with storms and see Jesus. See your need for him and know that he is sufficient for your ever need. It starts with asking Jesus Christ 
to have your life, to save you from your sin, to forgive you of your sins, asking him to be the Lord of your life. If if you want to be on a journey where Jesus is showing you himself through every storm, he's changing you to be who you were created to be, it all begins with giving your life to Christ. And when you give your life to Christ, when you say, Jesus, I know you are the Messiah, I know that you came and you died for my sins, you rose again from the dead, and that if I place my trust in you or forgive me of all your sins, if you make the decision to give your life to Christ, the river of his grace and mercy rushes through your life and washes away all your sin, and they wash right into his life so that when he was on the cross, he bore your sins and he washed them away so that your life is forever clean. That's where it begins. And I'm going to tell you, there's not a storm that I've encountered in my life where God has not revealed himself in such a way that my every need has been met in him. Don't miss the wonderful opportunity to be in the same boat as Jesus Christ.